You're listening to a podcast from Victory. Jesus interprets the law against adultery. Learn more about fidelity in marriage in week five of our series, Redefined. Today we're going to talk about adultery and lust. We're reading from Matthew chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 27. And we're going to talk about lust and adultery. If you have your Bible with you, verse 27, it says, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that, than that of your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members that your whole, uh, than that your whole body go into hell. So bago po kayo matakot at lumabas ng main hall, you know, we're going to go through this text, this passage of scripture and, and see what God is trying to communicate to us, okay? Baka may invite dito, grabe ka naman, itong church nyo, cultic, parang ganito ba talaga, very high, very legalistic. Um, first of all, verse 27, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Now, what is wrong with adultery? Because some people today, People are divided when it comes to their opinion about this commandment. You know, there are uh, laws wherein almost you will have a general agreement. Everyone will almost agree, oh, tama, maliyan, okay? Stealing from someone is wrong. But now there are commandments wherein now people have different opinions. And one of them is this commandment about adultery. Some people call it an affair. Some people call it fling or one-night stand, Okay? Now, some people see it as an obsolete command. Parang feeling nila, you know, it's, we, we, the uh, times ha- have changed and so we need to be open-minded. We need to be progressive in our thinking. And people who still uphold and promote this commandment are sometimes viewed as old-fashioned, uh, self-righteous, legalistic hypocrites. So they are saying... Uh, before it worked, but now uh, it, everything has changed. And so we have to be open-minded about this. So, so why is it wrong? And first of all, it's wrong because it, uh, because it destroys and misuse something good that God created. And we're talking about sex and marriage. That's the first reason why uh, this is wrong. Not because the church says it's wrong, but because it destroys and misuse something good that God created. Now, how many of you know God is not against sexual pleasure or sexual intimacy? In fact, sex is God's idea. When, when God saw Adam and Eve in the garden doing it as a couple, God wasn't shocked. Okay? Hindi siya nagulat na, ha, ano to? No, it was God's idea. And there's nothing ugly, there's nothing dirty about sex. Originally, it was designed to be a gift and a blessing to be enjoyed, but to be enjoyed in the context of marriage. And so there is nothing inherent about, nothing evil inherent about sex. It's when we take it out of the context of marriage that it becomes 
ugly, that it becomes sinful, and it becomes dirty. But it's to be uh, enjoyed in the context of marriage. And again, marriage also is God's idea. Uh, and I'm not going to go there for today because next week we're going to talk about divorce and marriage. And so uh, we'll allow Pastor Joash to cover that in Lent. Um, Second reason is because it destroys relationships. You know, some of the commandments of God are really very, pra- uh, very practical. Even if you don't have uh, a degree, a seminary degree, if you don't consider yourself a theologian, but just by merely reading the Bible, it makes sense. The Word of God makes sense. How many of you here, you, you know, when you read the Bible, it makes sense to you? There are passages that are really hard to understand, but most of it are easy to understand. Now, it's, it's wrong because it destroys relationship. First of all, a relationship with God, and then a relationship with one another. It destroys marriages, it destroys families, friendship. It destroys relationship. Last year, uh, when uh, a hacker hacked this dating website that primarily caters to married people who wants to have an affair. When, when this website was hacked, 30 million subscribers were exposed. And their names were posted in the internet. I have the news article of that. And there's a, an article written six months after the, the expose or when the hacker uh, made the records available to the public. And so a lot of people check if their dad was there, if their mom was there, if their boss was there, and, and if their wife or, or, or spouse was there. So they check. And what happened six months after, resignations, divorces, and suicide followed. Adultery is wrong because it destroys us. It destroys our relationship with God and it destroys our relationship with one another. And that's where Jesus is coming. You know, if there's one lesson we can take from this example, is that there is always more at stake in every temptation. And the devil would try to convince us every time we get into temptation, like adultery, that there's nothing wrong with it. It's not that serious. But the moment we... we, we, we take that, uh, that trap and that, and that offer, we will be surprised that there is more at stake in every temptation. Sin will cause you and me to pay more than what we're willing to pay. There's more at stake in every temptation. That's why Jesus said, you shall not commit adultery. And if you just read that without uh, an understanding of who God is, and in the context of this law, it might come across as very legalistic. Bawal to, bawal yan, do this, do that. But if we understand the Father heart of God, if we understand that God is a Father and is treating us as His children, then you would understand this command is coming from somebody who cares for you. Now, the, the command is, you know, is like, it's like houses, especially uh, houses that are not in gated communities. Okay? Uh, how many of you like this house? And how many of you are praying for a house right now? Ganda, no? Now, can you imagine having this house in recto without walls and gates? Or somewhere in, in Santa Mesa? Or 
Can you imagine? I mean, even if you have a beautiful house, if you don't have gates, and if you don't have high walls, you, you won't have peace. And this house will not be a blessing to you. It might actually shorten your life. <laughs> and so in the same way, when God gave this commandment, these commandments are like gates and walls that God built in order to protect what is more, most valuable and precious to Him, which is you and me. When you put gates and walls in your house, it's because you're protecting the people inside. You're protecting your precious possessions. And in the same way, this commandment, you shall not commit adultery, is more than being legalistic. It's actually a protection, a wall of protection to protect what's most precious and valuable to the heart of God. And that's you and me. That's the heart of the Father. You shall not commit adultery. Verse 28. Now, Jesus knew that there were lots of self-righteous people in the crowd. There are Pharisees there. And maybe when they were listening to this command, maybe they're thinking, oh, never done that. Never committed adultery. I was a virgin when I got married. And so they would look down on other people. And they would think, ah, ito mga sinners. Kami mga righteous dito. And Jesus knew there are self-righteous people in the crowd who are very confident of their, self, of their righteousness. They think nothing's wrong with me. I'm good. I'm basically a good person. And that's where Jesus redefined this commandment. In verse 28, He says, But I say to you that everyone, okay, let's say everyone, can you please turn to the person seated next to you? Sabi mo, kasama ka. You know, this is not just for married people. Whether you're a student, a single person, even if you're not married, this commandment applies to all. And, the, and Jesus said, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent, and that applies to women, anyone who looks at a man, with lustful intent, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Adultery starts in the heart, not in the bedroom. It starts in the heart, Jesus said. There is such thing as heart adultery. And Jesus said, if you look lustfully, you've already committed adultery. And I want to speak to the parents as we talk about uh, the religious leaders being focused on the external and Jesus always uh, zeroing in on the heart, the inside, the internal. As parents, when, when we disciple and raise our children, it's very important that we go beyond the external. That we go to the root of the issue or, or the issue of the heart. We have to learn how to draw it out and, pro- and process. Sometimes talagang challenging, ano, I understand. Sometimes nakakapagod. Sometimes it's just easy to say, no, don't do that, that's it. But as parents, we have to be diligent in shepherding the, the heart of our children. Because if we don't deal with the root, we're going to raise up Pharisees in our families. People who are religious, who shows up in church every Sunday, but their heart is far from God. And that's what these people uh, are. And here's how different Bible commentators defined lust. Uh, John Piper, he said, Lust is sexual desire minus honor and holiness. Lust is sexual desire minus honor 
and holiness. Another one said that lust is a lingering look. It's not just looking, but to keep on looking and use someone as fuel for sinful imagination. It's more than just noticing and appreciating the beauty of someone. It goes into wanting or even planning sexual interaction with another person. And last thing, D.A. Carlson, he said, This is not a prohibition of the normal attraction which exists between men and women, but of the deep-seated lust which consumes and devours, which in imagination attacks and rapes, which mentally contemplates and commits adultery. That is why pornography is so wrong and destructive. Because what it does is it teaches our heart, our mind, to have lustful intent. For someone, it degrades the value of a human being who's created in the image and likeness of God. It's reduced to less than a, from from a person who's created in the image and likeness of God. They are reduced to an object whose purpose is to satisfy one's sexual craving, and so that is so wrong. And Jesus said it begins. In the heart. That's why adultery in the heart matters to God and it requires repentance. There is a correlation, there is a connection between our destiny and our inner life, our desires, our thoughts, and our imagination. That's why, pag nagbasahu tayo ng Bible, you know, there's, you know, uh, after un- explaining the gospel, yes, we've been set free by Christ, we've been forgiven of our sins, now we're, we're, we're living with Christ. We have the Spirit of God. Yet, it doesn't mean we are just going to be careless in the way we live. No, we, we protect that freedom that we have. And because, it starts within. It's very important that we guard what we watch, what we read, or what we listen to because it shapes our heart. It, it influences our thoughts and our desires. You know, sometimes we are uh, very watchful of what we eat. Very healthy. How many health-conscious people do we have here? Talagang may green bayan. We're very particular. Is that organic? Because we know garbage in, garbage out. If you eat unhealthy food, it's going to have an effect on your physical health. It's going to make you sick. And it's going to cause you problem along the way. That's why now we're very choosy with what we eat. We're even willing to pay sometimes extra money so we can eat healthier food. But you know, if we are so concerned about our physical health, we should be all the more concerned with our spiritual health. We should guard what's coming in. What we're consuming. The TV shows that we watch. And, and again, that this might come across as legalistic. But if we understand the seriousness and the implication of allowing lustful thoughts and desires to dwell and settle and grow in our heart and mind, 
then we would understand the commandment of God. You know, there's this famous saying, and probably you've heard this. It says, sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. It starts. What are you sowing today? Are you reading your Bible every day? Are you hiding that word in your heart? So that the Bible says, so that you will not sin against God. And last thing, in verse 29 to 30, it says, do not commit adultery. If any, everyone who looks lustfully to somebody is committing adultery. And so in light of that, verse 29 to 30, it says, so if your right eye causes you to sin. How many of you know this is a hard teaching? Of course, this is not to be taken literally or else our whole church will be a church of blind people. Every time you sin, you cut, you remove. Pag nagkasala yung mata mo, oh no. Gabi, wala na, baka matira na lang sa'yo. Koko, ba? Holy nails. That's the only thing holy about you. But this is not to be taken literally because it's possible to be blind and still have lustful thoughts and desires. So it's not about us really literally taking out our eyes and cutting off our our hands. We can't see that also in the Bible practiced by the disciples or the apostles. Certainly that's not what Jesus is trying to communicate. The point that Jesus is trying to communicate to, to, uh, or trying to make and using this graphic picture is that if we really had an encounter with Jesus, and if we are really saved and set free by the gospel, we should not hold on to anything that causes us to commit sexual sin. We should be willing to take drastic action. If, if, that, if, if that thing, no matter how valuable it may seem, because the, the Bible says if your right hand, how many of you know your right hand is important? It's important, even though that's important. But if that is causing you to struggle, before it kills your spiritual life, before it destroys your marriage, before it destroys your family, before it destroys your soul, the Bible says, cut it off. Throw it away. It's better for you to lose that relationship. If that boyfriend of yours is causing you to sin, cut it off. Not your boyfriend, the relationship. It's better for you to be single and preserve your relationship with God. Wait for God to bring that person to you. Person who will push you to a greater relationship with Jesus. If that business deal is causing you to compromise, cut it off. It's better to lose that business deal. It's better to be to sacrifice for, for a period of time and be inconvenient than to lose everything you have in Christ. That's the point that Jesus is trying to make. It's better to lose than to go to hell for it. You know, we don't preach that much about, about hell in churches today. It's offensive to some. 
Some people are avoiding the topic and some people are denying the reality of hell. It may be offensive, but it's real. Life here on earth is temporary. There is an eternity before each and every one of us. And, and Jesus was pleading. Jesus was exhorting. Whatever that is. And, and you know, that can be uh, subjective about what's good for you because uh, what's good for you might not be good for someone else. What other people are struggling with might not be a cause of struggle with you. So it's a specific. And at this very moment, when I was preparing this, I, I was praying to God, Lord, I pray. Even during the preaching, I pray you will search our hearts and our thoughts and see if there's anything offensive to you. And I pray that you will convict us. I pray that you will bring it to mind. Maybe it's something we've tolerated, we've flirted with, or maybe it's something that we've justified for so long. But I pray, Lord, that as we hear your word, we're going to have this godly sorrow that we will be grieved and we will have the eagerness to get right with you. I don't know what that is specific thing that God is pointing out today, but one thing for sure, we're all guilty. What is it? What is it? I've counseled a lot of students for the last 15 years that I've served in campus ministry. I mean, you'll be amazed with the different situations. There was one student that I've counseled after, after so long of counseling and praying and helping him. I came to the point wherein I sat down with him and said, if you really want to be set free, Stop going to the mall. Parang legalistic naman ang pastor, but that's not a struggle for you. But for the student, every time he goes to the mall, he ends up having a one-night stand. One student, I have to sit down with him. If you really want to be set free, you need to make a drastic action. Cut your internet at home. Because every time you use that internet, Every day, 12 midnight, that's where you struggle. But I'm using it for my studies. Go out. <laughs> Rent. Adjust your schedule. So you can go to the, co- to the computer shop and use the internet there. But if you really want to be set free, cut it off. That's valuable to you. That will cause you discomfort and inconvenience. But I, I believe that's the, that's the heart of what God is trying to communicate. And these are just examples. I don't know the application to you. But Jesus is saying, if your right eye, if your internet, if your boyfriend, if your job, if your job is causing you to sin, pray, pray to God for a better job. Pray to God for a high-paying job Minus sexual sin. How many of you know God can give you favor as you set your heart and following Him? We don't have to stay where we are. We don't need to be enslaved by sin and we don't need to be at the mercy of our culture and environment. We have a God who is greater. We have a God who is bigger and we have a God who can bless us. Amen. If we set our hearts and following Him. You know, some people are more concerned and afraid of what other people will say 
Baka ko ano sabihin nila, baka ma-reject ako sa barkada, baka sabihin nila, napaka-religious ko. But you know what the Bible says? Fear him who after killing your body can send you to hell. Some people are so afraid, they might label me as fanatic, religious fanatic. They might exclude me from this elite group of friends. You have to make a decision. Are you living for God or you're living for the applause of men? Who are you trying to please? Who do you need to fear? Question, are you taking drastic action? Is there urgency in your fight against sin? You know, we have a couple in our, and I'm going to end, about to end. We have a couple in our victory group whose daughter is now in the hospital due to an operation. And when we're praying about this and uh, seeking the wisdom of God, the doctor told them, uh, their two-year-old daughter, if the operation uh, is not uh, is is not done today, there's a risk that their daughter won't be able to walk properly again because the bone uh, from the leg to the hips are not properly connected. So they need to do the operation now at two years old. And when we're praying, you know, this the the couple. Even though it will be financially challenging, even though it will cause so much discomfort and inconvenience to their work, to their schedule, and to their family, they made the drastic action of scheduling the operation. It would cause us so much discomfort and inconvenience and financial challenges, but we're willing to do it. You know why? Because they love their daughter. We're willing to do whatever it takes. Financially, it will be difficult. Physically, it will be challenging. I mean, there's a lot of troubles we're going to go through. But we're willing to do it. You know why? Because they love their daughter and they believe that she's worth the sacrifice that they're going to make. It's about relationship. It's about love. My question is, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? And how important is your relationship with Him? Do you love Jesus that you're willing to do whatever it takes in order for your relationship to grow and be protected? You know, last verse I, wanted, uh, I want to read and I'd like to call uh, Tim on stage. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9-11. to 11. It says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that's heavy. That's heavy to hear. But verse 11 And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Paul was talking to the church whose members are former adulterers, swindlers, and all kinds of, you know, uh, this all backgrounds, people with, with past that they don't want other people to know. Paul said, That's, this is you. 
But now that you're in Christ, you were washed. You know, Jesus did not come to condemn us. He came to convict us. And there's a big difference. Condemnation is from the devil. Where he would try to remind you of all the bad things you've done. And he will make you feel so bad. He will load you with shame and guilt. And he will bury you. And the result is for you not to come to Jesus because you feel so bad about yourself. That's condemnation. And every time you hear the voice of the enemy, every time that a thought comes into your mind, loading you with shame and guilt, you just know it's not the voice of God. Because Jesus did not come to condemn us, He came to convict us and save us from our sins. Conviction is showing you the sin that's dragging you down and separating you from God convicting you and producing in you that godly sorrow repentance the desire to get right with God and the result is us coming to Jesus and say Lord I can't save myself I can't cleanse myself I can't change myself I need you Lord and that's the difference Jesus came not to condemn the world but to save the world the one who is calling us to drastic action is the one who took drastic action to save us so that we can be set free and be with Him forever. And God is calling, I believe God is calling us to Him. God is calling us to repentance. God is calling His church to holiness. And nobody's, nobody here got it all perfect. Wala sa ating dito na graduate na ako dyan, pastor. No, all of us, we need the grace of God. How many of you here know we're saved by the grace of God only? No one can be confident of his own righteousness. Nobody can look down on someone else because we're all in the same category. But because Jesus died and rose again from the dead, we can also be dead to our sins and rise up and be made alive in Christ. We can live a pure and holy life. We can defeat sin. We can go out of slavery from sexual sins. And we can live the life that God wants us to live. You know why? Because of the power of the gospel. Because of the grace of God. And because of the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. God wants to set you free. You and me. Amen. Let's all stand. And we're going to pray today. Lord, you said that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. Lord, I, th- I thank you, Lord God, for setting us free today. Even now, I declare that some of us here, Lord God, we will be free from the lie that we have embraced and believe. Maybe we pick that up from movies or culture or other people and we believe there's nothing wrong with adultery. We believe that lie that we can just fix the external and not pay attention to what's happening inside of our heart. But Lord, we thank you that your truth is setting us all free today. Thank you, Lord, that your word is convicting us. Your word is sharper than any double-edged sword. It's penetrating. It's cutting us to, Lord God. And it's painful now, but we thank you that it's meant to bring healing to us. So Lord, I pray, Lord, for godly sorrow. I pray, Lord God, for godly repentance to come upon each and every one of us. That we will not make excuses. We will not justify, Lord God. We will humble ourselves before you. 
Lord, search our hearts today. Search our thoughts. If there's anything offensive before you. And Lord, today we come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we surrender our lives to you. We surrender our marriages to you. We surrender our relationships to you. We surrender our hearts to you. Cleanse us, Lord. Purify us from all our unrighteousness. Give us that divine hatred for sin, Lord God, and compromise. Give us that kind of spirit, Lord God, that looks at sexual sin with hatred and disgust, Lord. God, I pray we will not take delight, we will not flirt, and we will not tolerate even just a hint of sexual immorality. Father, give us that kind of heart and spirit today. Thank you, Lord, that by your grace we can overcome. By your grace, we can live pure and holy. By the power of the gospel, we can live the life you want us to live. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We honor you. We say you are worthy of our lives. You are worthy of our sacrifice. You are worthy of our worship. Thank you for listening to this message. For more messages like these from other Victory Centers, please visit victory.org.ph slash resources slash podcasts.